Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. This is from the War Room to the Boardroom podcast, talking about repairing transition. I'm your host, Mason Wilson, global strategy operations, go to market at Google, combat veteran, Duke MBA, and West Pointer. Today, we have my guest, Mr. Adita Sunny Sundarisan. People know him as Sunny Actual. He and I will be discussing his his path of transition into business school and content creation and comedy. And so Adita is a content creator with over 4 million followers. He's the founder of Zuvier, which is an adventure travel fashion retail company. He also served as entry officer and is a graduate of UC Santa Barbara and is a current student at NYU Stern. And so without further delay, you know, Sunny Actual in the building, everybody. Thank you very much for having me. Um, that intro sounds way more impressive than <laughs> I certainly feel. I will say one correction on the followers. I think I only have like maybe 200K across all platforms. So I uh, don't have millions of followers yet, but I do have millions of views. So I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> uh, your, your content's pretty good. Every time I fill it up, I'm like, man, he is like spot on. <laughs> so for our uh, our listeners who don't know, you know who you are, tell us about you know, yourself, kind of where you're coming from, you know, I think that'd be really helpful for some of our listeners. Yeah, sure. So I'm, uh, I go by Sunny, which is a, a nickname for my last name, Cinderacin. Um, for short, it kind of became Sun, like Lieutenant Sun. Um, and then affectionately, everyone in the Army has a nickname at some point. So um, it sort of became Sunny and it was, uh, I felt it fit my, or other people thought it fit my personality, which is kind of nice. Uh, I go by Sunny or, you know, Aditya, my first name, um, a little harder to pronounce. But yeah. So I was an infantry officer in the army for almost five years. And as soon as I got out, I started making these, uh, like comedy sketches. Um, I'd always, I've always like made videos, um, since I was a kid. So that like skill was kind of there. Um, and yeah, they blew up, which is how I guess I got invited here um, and how people know me, at least for the military stuff. But yeah, that's sort of like the short, the short story is I, I went to, to school in Santa Barbara, uh, no intentions of joining the army. Um, I mean, if you told me, I don't know, when I was 19, 20, you're going to be an infantry officer one day. I just, it, like, <laughs> it would have been something so inconceivable, but then um, I sort of, as I was graduating, I didn't really like, sort of where my career was going. I was studying physics and the options uh, to graduate with physics is you either uh, become a professor in physics um, and you got to really love physics for that. And I didn't. Um, or you kind of switch roles and you use your math skills to go work in finance or something like that and uh, or for a tech company. And that didn't really sound appealing either. So I sort of started looking in the military. I had a, I had a roommate that was an ROTC. Sort of went down that path, joined the military. Uh, chose the infantry. In my mind, if I was going to join, I kind of wanted to do the most, you know, like the most non-civilian thing I could think of. And I had no plans, you know, like kind of like joining in terms of like where I wanted to be in, the, in my career. I was just like, this seems like an adventure. Infantry seems like uh, it has the most, like basically the least civilian job I could do. Uh, I had a blast when I did uh, as a platoon leader. And then as you're out as well. So every officer comes to this sort of cynical point, probably, uh, where they, where you're going with your career uh, in the military doesn't really match what you want anymore. Um, that's what happened to me. And it was sort of the inspiration for my, for my comedy, honestly, it was I got really annoyed at a lot of things that were happening in my unit. And so I got out and, you know, I just made them I didn't 
know who was going to watch them. I figured my friends in Alaska, I was stationed in Alaska, uh, Fort Wayne, right? Figured they would watch it. And then I sort of realized that everybody across the army had the shared experience. So and then here I am. Nice. And so in terms of your military exposure, so it was just your roommate, like where are you coming from in terms of hometown? Yeah, know? that was, that was part of it. Um, that, I mean, that was like my first exposure just to knowing someone that was even doing, who was an ROTC. And so I did OCS, which is after you graduate for those that don't know. And so that was sort of my first exposure to that. The fact that that life was even there. Um, like you'd wake up super, this is my freshman year before I thought about joining, you'd wake up at five 30 every morning. I thought it was absurd. Uh, <laughs> you know, that seemed like now five 30 really doesn't sound that early anymore, but at the time I, I thought that was insane. And then when I thought about switching careers, I just looked at everything, government jobs, anything that seemed like it had some sort of purpose, you know, besides just, you know, I'm just going to get a job to get a good paycheck. At least at that time, that was my motivation, something that seemed to have some meaning. And in that search, I found there was like a common thread with a lot of the stories I was reading. It's like, oh, so-and-so is doing this thing. He started his own business, but he was in the Marine Corps before, or he was in. Um, and so then that sort of led me down that path. And I guess you could call it kind of like a midlife crisis at like 20 years old. I was like, maybe I could, it was so outside of what I thought I was even possible I could do that I sort of was just like, well, maybe I could do this. And so I got zero, zero leadership experience, like zero, you know, I played soccer. Sorry. Like I just, for, for how sort of thinking back on it now, like I had zero leadership experience, uh, at least in college, like in, in high schools and, you know, clubs and all this, you know, various different things. But in terms of, uh, in college, like wasn't on a sports team, wasn't leading anything, you know, I was just doing physics and, you know, in Santa Barbara. So <laughs> for me, for me to go to that, to like uh, infantry officer, sometimes in retrospect seems like kind of bizarre, but I'm glad I did it. And so in getting out one, I guess you explored these different career opportunities, but I guess, why did you go down this very different track compared to, you know, most military officers will go and be like, Oh, I want to like go into finance or go work with a, a JMO headhunter and go out and do this thing. That's a bit more structured why kind of the entrepreneurship or the content creation kind of fun piece? Yeah. So I'm in, I'm finishing up school right now. Um, I guess I forgot to mention that. So I got out and um, uh, I was in Iraq when I was thinking about getting out. I was really thinking like, I don't know exactly what I want to do. Kind of have some ideas. You know, if you hear along the officer pipeline, okay, get your MBA. And uh, I still have my GI bill, uh, which is really nice. So I decided like, okay, I can kind of procrastinate. <laughs> facing the real world for for two years. So I, yeah, so I, I studied for the GMAT and I, I got into, uh, really thankful I got into the NYU here in New York City. And I've sort of been using the last almost two years now to sort of build up, you know, my own business, this brand of comedy stuff to try to lead to opportunities to kind of run my own thing. To be honest, I had no idea what other officers were even trying to do with the MBA because I was one of the few uh, Alaska is so small that you really don't have any like peers who are getting out at the same time you are. So I had no idea that officers got out and wanted to do uh, consulting and banking. Like I had no idea because no one around me was like people that had gotten out had gotten out like years before I was at the unit. And um, I only knew one other officer who got out who was my friend who went to law school. So I had no like I had no like bias to uh, what type of jobs junior officers were doing when they got out until I got to school and realized like, oh, I'm the only one 
you know, who has like creating like videos and everyone else is, you know, going to work at these big companies. So I would say like, to answer your question, like it never really factored into my, like, I never even knew that was an option. I never even like saw that, which might sound weird now thinking about like all the other officers experience, but yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's cool though. I mean, to like <laughs> that vacuum and then like still find this niche that you know, you find very fulfilling and do very well with because you have like a large following and people like really enjoy your content. Like I think every video you drop, I'm like, oh man, this is a hundred percent spot on. I was like, I knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. To be honest, like I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to always give out advice because the reasons I do things are often, I don't think the reasons like most people, I don't know. I shouldn't say most people because I think, I, I don't know. I, it never seems to match what people around me do them for. Uh, I did physics because I always thought I was good at science when I was a kid because my dad's a scientist. I thought I wanted to be a biologist, which is what my dad is. Physics was the only class I got to be in, in science. So, you know, you, you build this personality that, oh, I'm good at science. And then I took this AP physics class in high school and I got a, it's like a B plus or something, which is the first time ever I'd ever gotten blown A in science. And so I was like, okay, I want to study this major, you know, I'm not just going to let this, <laughs> let this slide. And then, uh, yeah, the army, same thing. I chose infantry, less about the opportunities of infantry, more so that I remember when I was in basic, the drill sergeant told me like real officers, you know, I, I sort of bought into that at the time. It was like, you know, real officers go infantry. And he was like, you know, you're probably not going to choose that. And I was sort of just like, well, screw you, man. Like, I'll do what I, <laughs> you know, I'll do, I'll do the hardest thing, supposedly, and be an infantry officer. And then, I don't know, same thing with this content skit. I've never really, like, thought about, I just sort of see what seems like it would be fun to do or, you know, rewarding. I just do that. I don't really think too much beyond that for better or worse so kind of uh you know proving the doubters wrong if you will yeah sometimes and just i mean i wouldn't say like 100 percent to prove anyone in particular but just to like sometimes prove to myself like can i do this and then i'll just like jump into it i'm not super motivated by i wouldn't say i'm not motivated by money you know i think everyone is to some degree but the like the big titles of the banks and stuff don't really uh, they're not really in my like radar so no, I think that's those are those are great points. And so along those lines, how do you feel like whether it's the time, you know, as an infantry officer, how do you feel like that prepared you for this life of being, you know, a content creator, entrepreneur, given, you know, the gray area and the ambiguity that comes along with that? That's very different than say being deployed in, in Iraq or day-to-day field operations. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I would say for anyone that's thinking about starting your own business, um, it does suck, you know, like a lot. <laughs> I think the best part about the best part about starting any business is right before, you know, when none of your ideas have failed yet and, you know, you think you can do anything with it. Um, and then you start it and it sucks because yeah, I mean, your value is so low in the beginning, especially if you don't like, I'm not investor backed or anything. Um, and I don't want to be for a while, but it's just creating your own value is just very difficult. So it sucks. But I would say that, you know, the infantry life or just any officer life, probably uh, more so in an, I don't know if you're in an infantry uh, the whole time. Okay. Yeah. So just like something's going wrong every day, which in a weird way, I think prepared me more than I, than I thought, because I think none of the stuff 
I, I mean, I've never worked in like a big corporation, but based on what I know from my friends, like none of that stuff would fly. At least a lot of the stuff probably wouldn't fly that happened in the army. Just, I mean, every day it felt like there's some plan, which is just you come up with for the sake of saying you have a plan and it goes wrong by uh, like 9.30, you know? Yeah. So I'd say, I would say to that extent, what it's prepared me is just the mental aspect of like not, you know, just falling apart when something's not going to, it's kind of corny to say, oh, it's not going to plan, but it's kind of true. I would say that's the biggest part, which is not something I think the army intentionally try to train, <laughs> you know, but it's a side effect of just the amount of things that just went wrong. Um, and when you're trying to do your own thing or do content creation or anything like that, there's so many things out of your control that if you don't have some sort of ability to kind of brush it off and move on, I think uh, you'll sort of just collapse. I think those are great points. I, I echo a lot of those sentiments that, you know, it's all it's all fine and good on paper, but like showing up day after day after a couple no's or a few hundred no's, you know, always the real test. Right. Also just, I mean, there's a lot of like random, there's so many days in the infantry, I remember, especially when I wasn't in the field. I mean, my favorite times were being in the field or even in Iraq, like I was on a cop, which was pretty cool considering the time I was at 2019, which by that time, like most of the cops had been closed down. But like just being in garrison and doing paperwork stuff, I mean, there would be days I would work like 12 hours, I don't know, 14 hours. I was like, I don't even know what I did today. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're really tired and you try to like remember what you did. Um, and I would say like, you know, when you try to do your own thing, business or whatever it is, I think you can feel like that sometimes where you're just like doing a lot of like random things. And then you're like, I don't even know what I, I don't know what I did, but I feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of those. And when you talk about doing that as like a major or an 04, I was like, this doesn't sound that great. I don't know about that, guys. Yeah. I mean, there's a point where you're doing like civilian work for army pay. I mean, that was one of the reasons I got out, which is sort of like a, an aside, really. But I was like, I'm not going to do paperwork. That's not what I joined, you know? So I was sort of like, this is dumb. Now, I mean, I also want to like point out with my content that I don't. I think right when I got out, I was a little bit salty. Now, I suppose if you don't know me in real life, the assumption could be that I, you know, I'm waking up because I'll comments on this sometimes. Just like, dude can't get over his, uh, I don't know, you know, whatever his his comments. Like, I don't <laughs> like guys. I don't wake up and I'm like, like you know, like I'm. I mean, New York City. You know what I mean? Like, I don't wake up and I'm like my, you know, my my freaking BC. Like, I'm still mad about that. You know, <laughs> like. But I will, I will remember because I have a following and people do enjoy it. And I, I like creating stuff that people enjoy. Um, that's sort of a core thread of like anything, whether it's entrepreneurship or whatever. It's just like coming up with an idea and other people enjoy it. But no, I'm not still, you know, waking up like angry about, <laughs> you know, like I just think it's funny, nor do I hate West Point either. I just think from a tactical point of view, uh, I made one video kind of lightheartedly and a lot of West Point people took it really seriously. And I kind of got a kick out of their assumption that I'm thinking about it really seriously. <laughs> as, opposed <laughs> kind of, everything else, yeah. as opposed to just like some lighthearted jokes. That, I mean, I couldn't care less about really any, at, at the end of the day, like everyone I met officer were either crappy people before they went to their commissioning source or good people before. And, you know, I don't think their commissioning source really had much of an effect on on that but anyway that's to clear that up um which is really i don't know if anyone really thinks that but sometimes i get comments on that no, definitely great clarity and so from that when you left 
one, what were you trying to like optimize or solve for? You know, you mentioned like you were searching for mission in like various places in like government or like other sectors. And so right. like, what was that driving factor? Be like, I need to hang up the uniform and like, hey, you know, this is a way that I can still find meaning in what I do next. Yeah, that's a really good question. I've uh, never been asked that before. <laughs> um, so my like family, like at least on my father's side, they're all like government. Like my dad works, you know, he's funded by by the state in terms of his uh, his like science research. My grandfather worked for the government of India, you know, so on and so forth. So I think just growing up, the assumption that you're doing something for some sort of service reason, even if it's a selfish reason, like I want titles or whatever, um, it was kind of kind of always there. So I, you know, doing physics to a little bit of an ego thing, but partly it's like, you know, maybe one day I can discover something, you know, until I re- realized I wasn't smart enough to do that. But <laughs> with the army, I think, you know, the war. So when I joined 2016, you know, I was still searching for something like important. And ISIS was really big in 2016 because the 82nd was in Mosul at that time. But yeah, 2016. And like big operations in Syria and stuff. So I'd see that in the news. And I was like, you know, the idea of even being part of that seemed really cool. Yeah. So then, then I went through the army and being a platoon leader was pretty amazing when I got to do the things that, you know, a platoon leader is supposed to do, um, totally matched probably even more than I could have dreamed of doing. I mean, even being in Iraq with how many, how little deployments were going on in 2019, like that was still pretty epic to me, you know, even though it wasn't Mosul 2005 or anything crazy like that, just for my expectations coming in, it wildly blew that out of the water and just, uh, I mean, you're basically like a kid, like playing in the woods for your job when you get to do it, which is pretty epic, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, but then, you know, you get to a point where you're only given like one to two years as a platoon leader. I'm not sure what it is in artillery um, where you're really with the guys. And that's the best part that, that sort of in between world where you're still doing some thinking, planning, um, which is, you know, interesting to do, but you're kind of still with the guys and you really only get you know, two years like that in the infantry world. And then unless you go to special forces or ranger regiment, and even then it's only just still another year or two. Um, and then you're kind of done forever, you know, like you then become a company commander, staff, whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't want to do paperwork as my job. And just the bureaucracy of everything really turned me off. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of good officers in the high ranks. I'm not like that sort of cynical, but got to the point where it seemed more about like what looks good on paper. And it, I was just like, you know, I don't want to be doing this like full time and not also be like walking around in the woods and stuff. Cause that was the part that actually made this enjoyable. So um, then I was like, screw this. I'm going to get out. And yeah, part of the motivation for content creation and like entrepreneurship and stuff is to be able to kind of try to do the things I actually want to do, which is, you know, being able to go outside, film things, basically come up with ideas in my head and actually execute on them. And, you know, hopefully sometimes make money from them. You know, it's very, definitely very difficult, but yeah, being motivated by an, an aspect of like, okay, is this like fulfilling to me? And then also can I like, is someone else going to benefit from this? Those are sort of my two, or at least I try to go to those two things. That's helpful, right? To see your journey and have some of those things that you're thinking about in soul searching. 
in your transition process, did you leverage any kind of programs or resources, right? You know, you go through the, you know, TAP or SFL or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Were there any things that you use beyond that to kind of really get your (laughs) in the whole situation? No, zero. (laughs) I, uh, my, uh, so my timeline went like this. I, uh, I was in Iraq 2019 to 2020 towards the, towards, I'd say the middle of my deployment, things started heating up between Iran. So my deployment, they shot like this missile at us, which, you know, there's no KIA or anything, but you know, pretty big deal for like a, you know, an established country to shoot something. And, uh, IDF started picking up and we thought there was, you know, they spun up 82nd GRF and I was like, all right, things are about to go down. And then all of a sudden COVID happened. Um, and I think it hit Iran pretty hard. Um, and everything stopped after that. It was like, like, you know, seize operations and suddenly became super quiet, but we were stuck in Iraq for like another like five months after that. So it was a lot of time to think. And so, you know, that was the point where we were literally just, nothing was going on nothing was going to go on and we were sort of extended there. And so I studied for the GMAT when I was there and I'll sort of just focus that whole year on just getting into a good MBA program. And so my transition out was really short. I got into the school and I basically had like three months, four months to sort of like put everything together when I got my refrat approved and uh, clearing papers and everything. So I didn't really like look up any transition programs or do anything, which is probably not maybe the smartest thing to do, but I just wanted to get out of there so bad. I was like, <laughs> what's funny now is that certain tra- like uh, people that run some of those programs have reached out to me to try to advertise or promote their, like their service, which I believe in because I didn't sort of wish I knew about it. But again, nobody from my sort of cohort, like peers were getting out, like people that were getting out were either, were all gone. So um i know i wish i had so i i just used tap and sort of just trusted that i don't know work out <laughs> no that's helpful right so i guess in looking back is there anything else that you would have done like a little differently in looking at your transition uh man i wish i'd done the uh i forget what it's called um i want to say it's called the csp like career skills program i think is what it's called but basically you can kind of use your last six months or sometimes even a year. I'm not sure how long it is, but basically you can get paid still by the army, but you can be in a literally a civilian business or organization. And you can literally do that before you get out. And I kind of wish I'd known about that because that would have been way more preferable to being stuck in Alaska while I was trying to clear. So I think that's the big one because I mean, there's no downside to that. You're, you're still getting paid by the army and you know, you're literally getting civilian experience. I mean, the biggest fear about getting out if you don't have an MBA or something is, you know, what am I going to do? That really would have helped with that, I think. Great points. Um, and then lastly, like, where do you think you're trying to go? So mention, you know, you're still building, you know, your, your retail adventure business. You're still producing content. You know, if you were to look like, let's say, three to five years down the road, where do you want those to go? Or do you see yourself, hey, I've done this venture and now I'm going into you know movie production. Like, where do you see yourself going? Yeah, I'm not honestly sure because like this, I mean, even this whole content thing, I couldn't have predicted, at least in my mind, big it's gotten, um, at least big within, you know, maybe this like niche. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, my my ultimate goal is to be able to do the things that I find rewarding to work on and actually get paid to do them like full time. I'm not quite there yet, 
but that is, I mean, that's ultimately the goal. So I don't, I think because my life is already so far changed in ways that I didn't even, you know, going from physics to the army to, to making videos on, you know, TikTok or <laughs> Instagram reels. Like I couldn't have predicted that. So I don't really have anything set in stone that like, Oh, I have to be in this place or be working on this thing. But I think as long as, you know, at least 50% of what I'm working on is something that I actually really enjoy and I'm getting paid to do it. And I can live off of that full time. I can pay bills. I could, you know, three to five years from now, you know, maybe start a family off of all of that. Uh, that would be pretty amazing. So that's like my number one goal is to be able to scale this to, to a point where I can actually like really be full time. Um, I'm not really sure what I want to do with this, with the military stuff. So I've been out in June, it'll be two years that I'm out. So I got out 2021 and also, yeah, so two years out, I was in almost five years. I kind of have this rule. I don't know if I'll stick to it, but my sort of rule for myself was no more military stuff longer, like, you know, no more than four and a half years out. So, you know, I don't want to be making, talking about it longer, you know, longer than I've been, than, than I've been in. I'm not sure. I mean, it's got a pretty cool following, I think. And people really enjoy the videos. I have no idea what I want to do, you know, with that. I really like creating videos. I really like doing comedy stuff. I think it's a lot of fun, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that's going to go at all. So you're, <laughs> I asked myself the same question. Well, at least cool that you're open to the opportunities and, uh, you know, at least you're, you're enjoying much more where you're at. That also being said, were there any things that you either listen to, whether it's books or podcasts to either help you with the transition process or to know that business school was the right avenue or, you know, converting your thoughts and reading down scripts, anything that kind of helps you in that journey of entrepreneurship? Sure. So yeah, I guess to kind of talk about, I'll just sum up my business other, what I'm really want to sort of have, have succeed um, is this brand called Zuvier, which I kind of originally tried to target towards veterans, but that wasn't, didn't necessarily have to be. I met, kind of messed up there a little bit where, it's not really a veteran brand, but it has it's sort of the reason why I'm doing it, if that if that makes sense. But I mean, it was sort of inspired by my time in Alaska, where you know I'm from Sacramento. I sort of grew up with like city hip hop type of culture. And you know, I was stuck now in Alaska for three years where the only thing to do is to like, you know, hunt caribou and uh, you know, catch like pike. And I like it wasn't how I grew up, but I sort of started to embrace that because I was like, you know, the other alternative is to drink at like I mean, you talk about military towns being kind of sad and, you know, podunk, like you see the Alaska town, it's like, there's one bar, <laughs> you know, that's, I'm not literally, but there's, you know, one of like three bars and there's no like nearby city where like with any other military base, it's like, okay, you got the military town and then, okay, drive two hours away. The only place to drive to is Anchorage, which was six hours, like, you know, sometimes eight hours in the winter, like through the mountains and that's it. Everything else in between is like just, I mean, it's nothing. So, you know, I was like, I have to embrace this outdoor stuff. And it started to become kind of fun because we, we sort of put like a, we kind of added like a, everyone that did a lot of that outdoor stuff kind of took it really seriously. Um, and I thought it was a lot more fun to kind of do that, but kind of have like this, I don't know, we call it like irreverent vibe about it, which I think kind of comes from like the skate surf, you know, culture. So trying to like integrate that into like, what's more traditionally seen as like very gritty adventures, like going out doing backpacking the snow or riding on snow machines. And the concept was to kind of, 
do media stuff around that. And right now it's a blend of like graphic t-shirts and like apparel that you can do when you're, you know, on various like adventures and things like that. And then also doing media for companies that actually do those things. You can kind of call it like an extreme adventure slash apparel. So that that's what I really like want to focus on. Um, in the beginning, there are so many things that I, I, I thought the MBA. So the reason, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to do the MBA was I thought it would help like kind of focus my um, interest in this business and really like help me with it. And I didn't really know the MBA was mostly for like sort of transitioning to like different corporate jobs. Like I really didn't know that. I thought it would be more about, okay, everyone here is probably going to try to start their own thing. And I'm going to learn some like industry secrets about starting your own business. And I don't think I've learned too much from the MBA on, on that front. And I've learned more from YouTube and, you know, I can't think of books off the top of my head, but I think I've learned, yeah, more from books and like, honestly, like YouTube videos kind of about how to do your own business more so than the MBA. I think that's been the most, the most helpful. I don't know if that would help anyone out there because it's really hard to, to figure out like which YouTube videos you can trust and which ones you can't. But it's a combination of like sort of screwing up, like referencing videos, seeing if someone has done the same thing and then reiterating. And it's a big part of like this whole thing is like um, kind of your mindset on it. Even with content creation, the idea has to be like, you know, you're not like pass. I'm not like passing up my skits to like a boss, you know, um, not passing up my clothing or, or my anything to like somebody else to look at and approve. Whereas I would have done that in the army, you know, um, and it sounds kind of simple and corny, but it is kind of like a mindset shift. Like you kind of have to trust yourself. Because like, there's nobody to tell you but you whether your skit's any good. Sometimes you can produce something that is good and it flops. Um, and it's really hard to tell whether it flopped because this the skit was actually bad or because it just, I don't know, the timing was off. Maybe the joke was too nuanced for the audience. Like I have skits that I've reposted that do really well now because the audience is big enough to know like, oh, this is, this is a type of joke that like... I understand it's brand of humor now. Um, whereas in the beginning, they were a little bit like no one understood them. So I don't know if I answered your question. I don't think I did quite well, but that, that's sort of my thought process behind all of this. It's like, I learned a little bit from my MBA. I think one of the the best things I've done is, because uh, you're asking about books, right? Like what, yeah, what yeah. books are... Books I think the I best book that I've read, or at least... I've never like read a book and then like automatically like my life is better the next day. But the books that I think are really good are the ones that kind of confirm things that were sort of floating around in the back of my head. Like, I'm not sure why it is this way. And then I read a book and it's like, oh, it makes so much sense now. Someone's actually thought this out. So the best one I've read is called Deep Work. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. I think it's by Cal Newport. It's a really good book because the way I was able to even think about doing my business even knowing what I was going to do after the army. I mean, I also came up with ideas with my comedy stuff in Iraq. I would like write it out kind of as a joke. Um, the reason I did that was like, I, we built this mortar bunker and our shifts were like six hours. My phone had broken earlier that deployment and I just didn't think to get like a new phone. So I was literally there for, you know, five to six hours with nothing to do. My guys were like watching movies and stuff. And I just had some notebooks and some books. I would just like start writing things that were in my head. And I think if I had my phone, or movies to watch, I would have been too distracted to even concentrate for, um, for, sorry about that noise. Uh, no worries. Uh, 
I think I would have been too distracted to concentrate for, um, so annoying. It's like, I don't know if you've lived in NYC apartments, but the delivery people will just hit every apartment like buzzer to try to just get in. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you in. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so this book, Deep Work, um, it kind of confirmed what I'd done in Iraq, which is I didn't have my phone and I didn't have an, a reason to have the phone. Because, I mean, literally the way they got a hold of me was, you know, radio or they were just physically nearby my command. For the first time, I think probably in my life, I really like focused on, and I was also studying for the GMAT. And I mean, you know, the options were to study for the GMAT or like watch some crappy show that, uh, or mindless show that, you know, maybe one of the soldiers are watching and so you're kind of just like forced to just be there and studying for the GMAT honestly started to become like less boring than just sitting there. This book, Deep Work, just talks about how like to come up with really good ideas, you should really block out like four hours of time or a few hours of time where you're just not doing anything but that thing. Um, and it's amazing how often, like, especially in civilian life, your, your, uh, your attention is so fragmented by like random things like text messages, emails that like you came and like focus on something for more than 30 minutes at a time, you know, which makes it very difficult to come up with good ideas. If, I mean, if, if I scheduled in like, you know, 25 minutes of like, all right, business strategy thinking for Zuvir, like I'm going to accomplish nothing. Cause I'm just going to be like, you know, kind of stressed out for 25 minutes. But if I'm just sitting there for three hours and like really like thinking through, not looking at my phone or anything, I tend to find that um, you can actually get a lot done. So I think that's probably, it sort of confirmed what like inadvertently had happened in Iraq where I was had this like unbothered block of time. But I think it's like probably the most important thing that I try to try to do in my time. Like I'm not going to come up with good comedy skits if I just try to do it in 20 minutes. You know, so I, I really do them in like a few hours. I haven't made one in a while, but um, <laughs> uh, partly for that reason. But I try to set aside like three hours because it takes kind of like 30 minutes just to sort of like get your mind going sometimes. And then the next two hours will be, I'll come up with like 20 ideas and then I'll just make them. So yeah, that book's probably the best one I've read. You talked about switching mentalities and then also kind of eliminating some of those distractions. And so can you talk a little bit more about how you do that? So given, you know, we're not deployed anymore, there are so many more distractions. You know, you're talking about you're being in New York City, one of the busiest cities on earth at all times of the day and night. Yeah, like that. <laughs> you know, how do you still carve out that time to really focus and get that deep work in? Um, given there's so many competing priorities. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, and I certainly lost a lot of my, all that discipline I just talked about, you know, being super badass, sitting for the GMAT or whatever, you know, I'd lost the second I came to New York City, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say I lost, but I, I certainly like let it go. Um, Cause I had, you know, I was in, stuck in Alaska for three years in the army training for another almost two years, you know, I like that whole thing. And, you know, I turned 21. So I, I wasn't 21 in college. I turned 21 right when I graduated. So I never really, and then I joined, you know, basic training OCS. So I'd never really like gone out as an adult before. And Alaska doesn't really count. You know, you go on trips to to Vegas or whatever, but that doesn't really count. I've never lived in a place before and been old enough to really actually have a real nightlife. As crazy as that sounds, 
And so as soon as I came to New York, first six months, pretty much what, <laughs> you know, you're in school and all of a sudden, you know, you have, you can make in, an infinite amount of friends if you want to, especially here and do an infinite amount of things. And it was certainly pretty hard in the beginning. That's about when I found the book, actually. Um, I think it was recommended by one of my professors and it's pretty hard because especially when everything is through your phone or email, what happens, I think, is you assume that you're kind of missing out on something. If you, uh, if you like block out three to four hours of time, there's a sense of like, well, maybe like some email has come in or some text message or, you know, I don't know, for me, it's just check, you know, website or check social media check my messages and there's like no purpose to any of that. And all that does is like kind of fragment your mind. Um, I mean, the only solution is to kind of be pretty brutal with like what's actually a priority or not. You can't like respond to depending on like what you want to prioritize that day or week. Like you can't, um, you know, you shouldn't like reply to every text the second you get them necessarily or involve, I mean, I mean, user dependent, you know, depending on your job or, or whatever, but you have to be kind of ruthless, easier said than done. You know, I'm still kind of sometimes figuring out what that is, but kind of like ruthless with what is actually important or not. Cause otherwise, you know, you're never going to get three hours of free time like ever. Um, but I do think most people can have that time. You just kind of need to ruthlessly cut out something that's really not that important. And that can kind of sting at first. Oh, those are amazing nuggets. Um, that also being said, you said, you talked about switching mentalities. How do you get comfortable in, you know, hey, I don't have a boss. You know, do you go about developing a team or is it kind of like you in your own headspace, you know, really think about this idea? Do you like have friends that you kind of bounce those ideas off of? Like, how did you go about that piece of it? Yeah, um, that's also a good question. Um, I've never been asked this before. I've been on a few like transition things. They never really asked me about, I don't know, like my headspace. Very interesting. Yeah, solo entrepreneurship, I think, is re- very, very difficult for that reason because there's nobody to kind of check you on whether what you're saying is crazy or actually doable. Um, there's not necessarily a great solution to that because you will have to put out some stuff that afterwards, you're like, man, that was like, man, that sucked. Um, and I'm, in the beginning, I certainly bounced it off of friends. I actually think like friends can be pretty, if they're not your, Anytime you create a business or, I mean, even with your podcast, I mean, you're also in the same, you know, degree entrepreneur, anyone who produces anything that, you know, outside of the sort of like strict rules. Um, and if your friends aren't your target audience, it's very dangerous to ask them for advice. And that's kind of what I did at the beginning. Like I knew my brand was a little bit out there, kind of cocky, has a little bit of this irreverent, uh, look to it. And you know, I was asking friends who would never have bought the product I sort of envisioned in my head for their advice, because that's who's around you. So you're going to ask them and, you know, they give you feedback that is really well-meaning, but it's just going to throw you off the path a little bit. And I think mindset wise, being your own boss, it's very difficult because you have to trust yourself. Kind of as I said earlier, which is very different from coming from the army where you're allowed to trust yourself on some decisions, but some other things you kind of get to let somebody else deal with that, um, you know, above my pay grade, right? Like you get to say, nothing's above your pay grade when you're running your own thing. It's all your pay grade, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you don't get to like <laughs> throw anything like under somebody else's bus. Like it's just you running it. And that's a pretty t- 
tough thing. You kind of have to like believe that you're capable of doing stuff, which is not an easy thing. I think like if you're working at say a nine to five, depending on your job, you know, um, often you're done after five o'clock. You're like, whatever is happening wrong with the company after five doesn't matter. It's not my problem, right? It's like, well, I'll take when you're doing your own thing, it's I mean, it can like keep you up at night because you're like, I don't I don't know if it's gonna be okay tomorrow, you know? Um, so I think part of building that is just to get some wins um and to try to reduce so like anytime you have an idea and you're wondering whether it'll work, I think if you can reduce the time it takes for that idea to like be tested then I think that's the best thing to sort of build confidence because the worst thing you can do is kind of be in a state where you're thinking about putting certain things out um, and you're not sure which one's going to work and you just kind of have to put some stuff out. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And then you start to trust yourself a little bit. You're like, all right, I'm going to do this next time. Yeah, it's it's not easy. And I'm not, I'm not sure I have it like completely nailed down, you know? Um, it's also really hard, like if your friends are not doing what you're doing because you know, they'll be like, well, why can't you, you know, hang out at this time? It's like, I have to work at that time. Um, nobody's telling me to, but if I don't force myself to, you know, do this at a certain time, I mean, nobody's going to fire me, but otherwise like nothing will get done. And that's a really like tough thing to sort of adapt to. If that makes sense. I mean, you, you, you're on the podcast. I don't know if you feel the same way at all. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's, it's my job to hunt down guests, find topics, ask good questions, actually look at people's background. Because if I do the same questions and it's not relevant to my audience or, you know, their unique journey, then like, what am I talking about over here? Right. And it's something that you chose to do, which is uh, a pretty tough thing. And sometimes I think you can feel like a slave to like sometimes in my comedy, especially since it got bigger and people were requesting certain videos or even, you know, I got ad deals, which is really cool. I mean, I'm so grateful for anyone that watches my stuff that I even got the viewership such that an ad, you know, a, a big company would come and, and reach out to me to do a to do a brand. But sometimes I get, you know, people reaching out that kind of just want like favors and you never want to turn anyone down. And then you start to feel like a slave to the very thing that was supposed to be fun. You know, it's like, man, I got to respond to this person or I, I have to post this video and it just requires a certain level of just <laughs> being your own boss. It's just tough. And it's, there's no like easy way to do it. You just kind of have to take a few. Uh, I think after you take a few losses, it becomes really easy, actually, because then it's just like, well, all right, I didn't die. Nothing really bad happened. And then after that, I think it gets easier. So a combination between building those muscles to developing that new mentality, um, really being good about those boundaries in terms of like, blocking up that time for deep work and then also the ass and things that you get from yourself or from other people. If I got that about right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then kind of last part, um, you know, really talking about knowing your transition out of the military, but into this, you know, entrepreneurial space content creation. Um, if you had to do it all over again, you know, is there anything that you would change? You know, that can be planning. We talked about timeline. We talked about location out of Alaska is a little challenging. Um, yeah. What about like, you know, benefits or terminal assignment? Is there anything else that you would have changed about your experience? Um, so I wouldn't have changed anything about my military experience. I think being stationed in Alaska was really epic. I mean, I got to do things that at the time I was stationed there, I hated it. 
until I sort of, I mean, that's sort of the inspiration for the brand, which was to sort of embrace like, you know, as this, you know, city person embrace this like epic place. Um, so I have no regrets there on the military thing at all, even though the MBA was not totally what, what I was expecting. I've learned a lot about things that I think aren't as useful to my classmates actually in a weird reverse way, which is that that's like a kind of a separate point, but I think some of the classes are actually very useful for what I'm actually doing like right now. So I don't regret even doing the MBA. I think the biggest thing that I wish I would have known in the beginning, and honestly, it's not really so much as a regret because I just don't, you don't know what you don't know, but I wish someone had told me this is I really wish I would have spent more time validating. So, I mean, you know, I would spent money upfront on clothes and, and various, um, you know, things for the website et cetera, et cetera. Um, I wish I'd sort of sold first and then built later. Um, I think that expression is sometimes used in places, but basically instead of like building anything and then seeing if people want it, you just, this is for anyone that's trying to do anything business related who hasn't done it before. I've probably obvious to anyone who has built a business, but I think if you can sell something first where you're just seeing if someone would even want it. Um, and that doesn't mean like asking your friends. It means like trying to build like the most, you know, skeleton, um thing you can and just seeing if someone will put their credit card and and buy even if you have nothing like to actually really sell them you can just be like oh sorry we out of stock or i don't know whatever it is just testing that first before just building the product and hoping people buy it because then you can kind of get humbled pretty fast when you realize that you're the only person that cares about this and no one else wants to pay for it so i think that's the only thing i would have changed in terms of the comedy stuff i had no predictions on any of that so it's far exceeded anything i ever could have thought I think I wish I hadn't gotten so attached to the comments in the beginning. I suppose that's pretty natural. Um, now I can, I mean, someone can post a thousand hate comments a day. It doesn't bother me, but in the beginning it, it did. And I would spend, a, I waste way too much mental energy in a day, like trying to think of a funny response that made it look like I really didn't care, but it did was kind of annoying. And that was just massive waste of time in the beginning. Um, I think those are the only two things I would have changed. Everything else, you know, I learned kind of as I went. So, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about some of those classes and then in terms of not internalizing the comments? I mean, these are like your babies, right? Like your thought ideas, like right. <laughs> art sold to a degree, right? Like how do you, you work on detaching yourself from it, but still be invested? Yeah. So I, a quick point in the classes, I think, um, there's actually classes are trashed by a lot of my classmates. They're like, Oh, I'm not going to need this at my job. And I guess like I could agree, you know, like probably at their job, they're not going to directly graduate and use something in their classes. But, you know, I have no business background before this. Um, I've never worked in a civilian company before. So like a big one. So I actually think a lot of the classes are helpful to the extent that, you know, could I learn the same things on YouTube probably, but it's really nice to have the professor who's, working with businesses in real time or real life kind of say like, yeah, I consider this important to learn uh, if that makes sense. So, you know, you can find finance stuff on YouTube, but you can just get so lost and like, is this really what they use in wall street? Or is this really how they, you know? Um, and in the classes, I mean, even in the classes, that's probably not how they do it in wall street either, but at least it's a more of a sort of just, you're sort of closer to the source. And I think that's, um, I'm learning a lot that I would have never, like, I'm never going to sit down one day and teach myself finance for fun, you know? Um, so I think that is something that is really helpful. And even if I'm not doing that job, I think it's really useful to know 
kind of the language of how the businesses speak and whether or not you you like how finance is done, or you like how consulting or all these things are done. I think it's still very important, even as an entrepreneur, to understand like how they're kind of speaking to each other. Um, so that's a note on classes. I think that's been really helpful. Um, in terms of like hate comments, I think I heard a, I forgot what creator it was. And it was something that really helped where he was just kind of like, you know, anyone that says, oh, you shouldn't get affected by hate comments like at all ever is like lying. Like you, you're a human being. Like you, it's impossible not to get, you know, somewhat affected. But he says that, you know, once you build enough like views or whatever, you should have enough confidence in yourself. And he also says like, after a certain point, if you're not having hate comments, it means you're not reaching new people. And that is something that I've found like kind of true now, which is that if I'm posting videos, they're sort of getting the same types of comments. Often it's because the videos aren't reaching people they've never reached before. And without fail, anytime I make a video that sort of exceeds my follower count, there's always like some negative comments. Yeah. In the beginning, I think what annoyed me was that they would just be wrong about certain things or just say something that was just dumb. You know, I sort of had a desire to be like, well, that's just not true. And then at a certain point, you kind of just have to, I don't know. I, I guess you get enough comments that you sort of get used to it. You have to be pretty confident with what you're putting out, I think, to not get affected by it. So I think where you can get affected by hate comments is if you're putting out something that you're not sure about yourself. So if I put out something that I'm like, man, I'm not really sure if this is actually that funny, you know, like in the beginning, for example, and I get a hate comment, it can kind of be like, oh man, like maybe it's not funny because I wasn't sure either. It's kind of like, I don't know, showing something to your friends, right? If you're not sure either and your friends roast it, you're kind of be like, yeah, you're, they're right. But if you're very confident about it, like I know this is funny. I have friends that think this is funny and someone, and you truly believe that it is funny or that it is entertaining or whatever. And someone talks shit about it. Can I swear on this? Sorry. <laughs> someone <laughs> says something negative about it. It shouldn't bother you because you should be confident with the fact that like, you know, I know this is funny and you're always going to reach. Hey, I mean, you also have to think at some point, like who, who's commenting on social media? Like I've never, <laughs> you know, I've scrolled by videos before and been like, okay, that's kind of dumb. Um, but I've never like sat there and been like, I'm going to type a message to them. So I, when I started thinking that way, I was like, I think the last time I've ever commented was in high school when YouTube was really big. That was because I was a kid. And I'd like nothing better to do with my life, you know, <laughs> than to, I never commented like hate stuff on YouTube, but I would, you know, I'll comment like, I wonder what, I don't know. I can't remember what I commented. Maybe it was middle school, but that, I think that was the last time I've ever commented on anything. So it's just like, you got to think at some point, like who is like, what kind of like loser is like taking the time out of his day to like actually comment something negative. Um, and then, you know, in your head, you just got to go like, don't you have better things to do? So then kind of makes that better. No, that's a good point about, you know, not, not internalizing it and kind of doubting your vision. I think that's, that's super bad. Uh, the last piece, you know, you've really given a lot of good, like insights to like, how did that? I hope so. I don't know. Sort of things <laughs> to my brain. I hope they're helpful to somebody. They're more like, I feel like a lot of my advice is like, don't do this <laughs> rather than, you know, do a certain thing. But yeah, I, I hope it's helpful to somebody. <laughs> I mean, those gyms always work too, right? Like, Remember like your best NCOs, they'd be like, hey, so-and-so, like, I know we're about to go on deployment and it sounds like a good idea, but don't do it. Yeah. And then they do it anyway. <laughs> Every time. Every time, like clockwork. Um, 
I think last piece, you know, any anything else that you would impart um, to veterans that kind of want to fall behind you, you gave some really good nuggets about, you know, kind of diving into that uncertainty, really blocking off some time and poaching it with discipline. Um, anything else that comes to mind? And if not, that's cool too. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll say like a final thing about content creation, maybe. Um, and that could be with business or anything that's like a where it's your idea and you're putting it out in the world and you're hoping people will uh, will like it. Um, I could go for a product or videos or whatever. Yeah, I would just say there's no good time to start ever. You can spend, you can waste a lot of time like thinking about better ways to do something. And, you know, in the beginning, my skits, I mean, I've always thought everything I put out was funny when I put it out, but I can certainly look back and be like, oh, I could have, you know, tightened up the, the comedy a little bit better. And there's no like, there's no like real good, perfect time to really start, I think, anything. I don't know how it was for your podcast. You just sort of sent it one day. But um, I think a lot of people, they're hoping for, you know, the stars, the moon, you know, the galaxy has to line up in order for some sign. Their boss has to tell them, I'm going to give you this job that will give you just enough time to work on your side business or work on video. Like, just not going to happen. Um, and, you know, it sucks whenever you put anything out for the first time. Um, it just does. Um, and it kills your ego because until you put it out, you can believe that you're really good at it. And then, you know, you put out a video and, you know, I guess like a hundred views. So yeah, I think that's my biggest advice. Just start. Um, your friends will roast you. Don't take it like personally, you know, like, Oh, you're making videos. Um, then you hit a point where, you know, you're successful enough that, um, all of a sudden it's like legitimate that you do whatever it is you're doing. So I think that's my biggest thing I can say with confidence to anyone out there. No, I'll quit I want to do this. Just start somewhere, anywhere, anytime. Last note, you know, if our listeners kind of want to follow you, they're not already, you know, any, any recommendations on how to catch up with you, whether it's social media or things that you're working on, books, companies, initiatives, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the, the free plug. Um, yeah, so Sunny underscore actual, that's my military comedy stuff, um, both on TikTok, Instagram, um, YouTube, uh, uh, Facebook, I think as well. Um, and then I also have my brand, which is somewhat related in the sense that, you know, if you're a veteran who likes adventure and sort of irreverent apparel a little bit, it would fit, but it's not like a over the top veteran brand. It's Zuvier Lifestyle, Z U V I E R, made up word, zuvierlifestyle.com. And then that's pretty much it. If you're a fan, you know, would feel free to DM me. I try to respond to people as best as I can. I never thought so many people would message me in the first place. So yeah, that's how you can reach me. And if you have messaged me before and I haven't answered, uh, it's just, <laughs> I can't, can't answer everyone's comments. Um, but I do appreciate anyone that does already follow me and shares my videos. It means a lot. Definitely. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, Sunny Ashley, everybody, Adita, uh, we appreciate your time and thank you for your I appreciate it. <laughs>